Uh, once again, we want to welcome everybody here, and uh, so glad that you chose to come and, and wor worship with us today, whether you're on site with us here or online, we're glad that, uh, that you're here. If you are here in the room with me right now, will you welcome in all of our online family? Yeah. Woohoo! Glad you're with us. All right. Hey, uh, we have been in this series called Reset. Last week, Chad talked about that we need to reset our life and uh, really looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 coming out of that whole idea, the chapter of love, and, and uh, really built around our mission statement as a church that we're called to love Jesus and love like Jesus. And, uh, and so sometimes we need that whole reset to get our lives focused back on, on, uh, on the love that God desires for us to share with the world around us and with him. And, and uh, so it was a great challenge last week. Well, as Paul can continues in that letter, uh, the very next chapter, chapter 14, verse 1, he uses a phrase there where he says, follow the way of love, okay? Follow the way of love. And then as you continue to unpack chapter 14, he shows how that is supposed to work in the church as the body of Christ, and, and because they were dealing with some issues, and so specifically, he begins talking about the spiritual gifts that the believers had there, and how they were kind of being misused, and they were having issues there. And, uh, and then in their corporate worship, as their time together as a church, they were, they were having some issues there. And so throughout that, all that, whether it be with the spiritual gifts, you're supposed to Follow the way of love. If it was with the worship, follow the way of love. And, uh, and so that's his challenge because he wanted them to get worship right, okay? And so today we're going to be talking about worship. And so uh, the title today is Reset worship. Sometimes we just we need to reset our worship because sometimes our worship gets a little off, whether we're talking about our corporate worship as the body of Christ or even our personal worship uh, as believers, okay? And uh, so I, I believe what we're going to get from Paul, uh, the message that I think comes out of this scripture that we're going to be talking about today is our love for Jesus and others should result in authentic worship. All right, authentic worship, because uh, God doesn't want just lip service. He doesn't want fake worship. Uh, his word's pretty clear about that. If you go into the Old Testament, he's got a lot to say about uh, just lip service kind of uh, followers and believers. He wants authentic worshipers. So we're going to unpack that a little bit today. Uh, you know, I've had the opportunity to go on a number of mission trips over the years. And, and a lot of times whenever you go into a foreign country and you go on the mission field and come alongside missionaries, you get the opportunity to go some, to, to, uh, some of their worship services. And it's always an adventure, especially when you're in another country that doesn't speak English. They've got another language. And uh, you come into their worship service and they're praising and they're singing. And you just, you don't have a clue what they're saying. You know, it's like, unless they're doing, a, you know, one of the old hymns or something, you can kind of get the melody or the rhythm that, you know, we have here. But, but, but unless you have an interpreter, and uh, then they can kind of help you through that. Uh, there was a lady who once, uh, she, she had the opportunity to go on a short-term trip to Kenya. And while she was in Kenya, uh, right before she was going to leave and come back home, she had the opportunity to go to a medical mission. And as she was approaching the medical mission, she heard the, the ladies on the outside of this mission uh, began to sing. And as they began to sing, they, she just she was just enthralled. I mean, it was just beautiful, the, the rhythm, the melody, everything about it. She's like, oh, this, they, they've got to be worshiping. This is just beautiful. And, and she began to cry even as she just knew that these, these ladies, these believers were, were worshiping. And so wanting to hold on to this moment and this memory, she wanted to know what they were actually singing. So she asked her friend who was bilingual, knew the, the local language, and asked her, what are these women, what, what, is the, what are the beautiful words? to this beautiful song that these women are singing right now. And, and her friend looked at her very kind of confused, but respectfully she said, uh, if you boil the water, 
you won't get dysentery. And they were just singing this for, for the people who were coming. Hey, if you boil the water, you won't get, you know, just. <laughs> so, so well, well, here's the message. In worship, it's so much more than just feeling, right, or experience. There's got to be an element of understanding. What are we worshiping? Who are we worshiping? Why are we worshiping? Well, you know, what's the understanding behind it? Because we can come in here and get in a frenzy and worship, but if it's all inward focused and not focused on God, then what's the purpose? And, and so it's so much more than feelings and experience. I can chart my worship experience through uh, my years. I can go back into junior high. Maybe you can too. I can remember back in junior high, I used to, uh, I was a weird kid. I, I would like stay for both services. We'd have two services at our church back home and, and I would stay for both. I love the worship. I love the message. I, I would just stay. I'd take notes. I did all that. Uh, yeah, I know I'm weird. Uh, but anyway, as a junior higher, and, and so I remember uh, there was a band coming in to have kind of a worship concert at, at our church. And, and uh, the only problem was that same night was our high school graduation over in Stillwater. That's where I'm from. And uh, this is our high school graduation. Looking back as a minister, I'm thinking, that is the worst planning that I've ever heard. <laughs> anyway, um, so, but the other problem was this. My cousin was graduating. <laughs> and so I, but I so wanted to be at this, this worship concert. I wanted to be there. I wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to, to, to you know, be with the church. And, and so I remember getting in an argument with my mom. I'm sorry, mom. I'm looking back on that. Um, but I remember getting in an argument with my mom and she she let me go. She ended up allowing me to go, which looking back was a terrible decision. Uh, I need to apologize to my whole family right now you know, because they were mad at me. It's like the whole family was together, but nope, I was at church worshiping. And, uh, but, but I just I enjoyed it. I loved worship. I remember later on in high school, my first vehicle was a 1975 Jeep CJ5, red, sweet, jacked up, sweet stereo, two Pioneer boxes in the back. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. But there would be times whenever I would feel kind of low, some down, maybe hurt, whatever, or just, you know, my introverted self, and just need to get away and need to reconnect with God. And so I would get in my Jeep, and, and I would drive out into our pasture, and we had a, a pasture that had a big old hill on top where you could see the lights of the beautiful town of Stillwater. And uh, I, I would look out over that and I would put in my favorite Christian mixtape, you know, and, uh, and I would sit there and I would just have a time of worship out in the field, out in the pasture, me and my Jeep and God and, and just love to worship. That's just some personal time of worship. And I can, I can think of similar times through college and, and now in ministry, there's times where I just gotta, I just gotta get away. Maybe it's on the back porch and just, just worshiping. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you kind of have that same track record. You became a, uh, you know, as soon as you were born, the first Sunday you were alive, parents had you in church. And you can remember all the hymns of old, and you remember all the praise choruses of the 80s and 90s, you know. And now you're, you know, you're getting into the, or trying to get into the modern worship of today, you know, and you've been through all the eras and all that good stuff. And, and so you, maybe you can connect there a little bit, and you, you've experienced all of that. But maybe... Maybe there's some here that uh, are on the other end of the spectrum. And this is the first time you've been a part of a worship experience. You've walked in here today because somebody invited you. You've clicked online because somebody encouraged you. And here you are, and you're watching these people around you, and it's a little weird, right? <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, as believers, we, sometimes we need to put ourselves back in the perspective of, a, of an unbeliever, somebody who's never heard about Jesus and knows the story. And yes, they're, they're out there, believe it or not. But, but maybe that's you and that's where you're at. And, and you come in here and you see people singing loudly. You know, it's like, okay, they're excited. And, and maybe even some people that are crying. And it's like, wow, okay, that's interesting. And then, then some guy throws up a touchdown sign. You know, it's like, What's going on there? You know, what, what, what's, that, what's that all about, you know? And so it's just kind of just weird. Maybe somebody's doing a little, you know, holy hop going on, you know, in their worship. You know, it's like, oh, okay, kind of weird. Uh, but, you know, we haven't even gotten to the lyrics of the songs yet, all right? <laughs> Our second song today. Okay, put your mind in the, in, in the you know, put, put yourself in the mind of an unbeliever who's never heard about Jesus. And we sing a song that says, our God is a lion. He's roaring with power, you know? Well, that's kind of weird, you know, kind of a Tiger King kind of a thing going on here. All right, whatever. Okay. Um, and then, then it goes on. Our God is a lamb, the lamb that was slain. Uh, okay, which is it? You know, is he, uh, is he a lion? Is he a lamb? What, you know, or is it two gods? What, what's going on? And then it goes on. His blood breaks the chains. Okay, now this is getting real. So this is what a cult looks like. All right, very cool. All right. Uh, I mean, so, sometimes I think as believers, we do need to kind of step back and go, hmm, how does this look? everybody else. But wherever you are on the spectrum, long-time believer, first-time guest, here's one thing that, is, that we know is true. We are all worshipers. Every one of us, we're worshipers. And you may be going, no, you know, I'm atheist. I don't even believe in God. That doesn't matter. You're still a worshiper. There's something, someone that you worship. Some believers will even push back on that. Yeah, I don't even, I don't really get into the whole worship thing, you know, I just, you know, old music thing. I'm just, I don't really get into that side of it. Love sermons, love preaching, love all that side of it. Bible study, I love all that. I can do without the, the worship. Oh, no. But you're still a worshiper. What are you worshiping? And if you don't believe me that you're, you're a worshiper, I mean, some of the people that come into this place and, you know, you, you know, you see them, maybe even you. I mean, in the middle of order, you know, you, you know, I mean, you've, you've done it. I've done it at times. There, there's times where it's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not into it and everything. But, but you take those same people and you go just a little bit down the road to another worship venue. All right. We'll call it the BOK Center. Um, you go into that worship venue and you put Garth Brooks on the stage. All right, mm -hmm. Justin Timberlake, fill in the blank, whoever you want to fill in the stage. And, and you watch those same people who are in here doing this, going nuts. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, I got friends, you know, sorry. Um, <laughs> but you know, they turn into fanatics, maybe even worshipers, uninhibited because they connect and they enjoy and they love it. Go a little bit further down the road, go to uh, Boone Pickens Stadium, or go the other way to Owen Field. <sighs> yes, I said it. Anyway, um, yeah, you go to that football stadium, and, and uh, I mean, again, those people who are in here like this on Sunday, I don't worship. Whatever. Look at them at a, at a ball game. I mean, they are chanting, they're waving, you know, pistols firing, you know, all that because a guy got a ball into the end zone, right? <laughs> I've done it. I, I'm with you. I get it. I'm, I'm there, all right? I love it too. Uh, but, but at least be consistent and say, I, I just don't like to sing here. And maybe begin to work on that. Because if you can 
if you can get that excited and exuberant over a guy, a person, God's creation, surely you can get that excited about the God that created them. Because we're all worshipers. And we need to recognize that. Listen, listen, listen. The question is not whether we worship, but what you will worship. Not whether, but what. What are you worshiping today? Don't tell me you're not a worshiper because every one of us are. You know what we are? Because God created us to be worshipers. God created it, cre- created us to be worshipers. He, it, is, it is inside of us. That's why every, if you study anthropology, you look at every people group in the world that's ever existed has a God or many gods. Why? Because they had to have something to worship. Because that's the way we're wired. Because we're all worshipers. We're created to worship. So, so let's, again, we want to get this right, just like Paul's trying to get the Corinthians church to get it right. And so where are we going to start? I want to start by just asking this question. What is worship? Because there's a lot of ideas out there about what worship is, what worship looks like, a lot of opinions about that. Okay? And I'm not going to get into worship styles and volume and lights and smoke and all of that, all right? We're, let's go a little deeper than that. Let's go foundational, if you will, all right? Um, it, because there's a lot of different ideas there. But the English word for worship is, is a word that we, we're, uh, we get the word worth, where you find value in something, all right? Louis Giglio, speaker, author, he says this, worship is our response to what we value most. It's what we're all about on any day, Worship is saying this person, this thing, this experience, this whatever is what matters most to me. It's the thing that I put first in my life. And so we worship. What do we worship? Interesting, if you go through the Old Testament, there's seven different Hebrew words for the the word, the idea of worship. Help us get our head around that. Uh, The first word uh, I like is tehillah. Some of you perked up. I said tehillah, all right, all right. Which means the singing of halals, all right? Tehillah, the singing of halals. Now now you go, well, what in the world is a halal? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because halal is another Hebrew word, which means to be clear, to praise, to shine, to boast, show, to rave, celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. It's the word where we get the word hallelujah, all right? Now, we have really, really played this word down in our culture today, right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, right? That's not what it is. It's like, hallelujah. <laughs> That's the idea here. We're boasting about it. It's a, it, we, we sh- it's a show even. You know, we've had people at times that come into our service and go, it's like y'all are putting on a rock concert. It's like a big show in there. Yep. Because we're worshiping God today, all right? He's the creator of the universe. We're going to turn it up, all right? Let's go. Uh, we got earplugs if you need earplugs. We understand it does get a little loud, and we, we get that, and we're trying our best. But anyway, but we, we want to make it exciting. We want it to be a rave. We want to celebrate. We want it to be even clamorously foolish, all right? If you remember the story of David whenever he was worshiping before the Ark of the Covenant, and he stripped almost naked, dancing in front of, okay, we're not going to do that. All right, just want to be clear there. All right, that'd be a little crazy. Uh, we would definitely make the news. Anyway, um, but we'd probably grow. Anyway, um, clamorously foolish. 
means I'm going to lift it up to God and I don't care who's looking. I'm going to lift my arms. I'm going to scream it out because my God is God. He is the King of kings, Lord of lords, and I'm going to worship him today. All right? That's the idea there. The next word, we're not going to go through all seven. Here's the last one I'm going to hit on today is yada. Okay? Yada. Say it with me. Yada. All right? Not Yoda. Yada. All right? Uh, the extended hand, to throw out the hand. I like, woo! Uh, therefore, to worship with extended hand, to lift the hands. All right? Now, again, I know, I know. I even found myself over here this morning worshiping a little bit, and every once in a while I find myself, oh, shoot, I'm preaching on today. i got to get him back up. Um, <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. Um, no, it's the extended hand. It's the, hey, I'm surrendered. God, uh, open palm, here, you are, here I am. I want to worship you. I'm, I'm, I'm giving it all to you. It's that kind of an idea. I know some, it's hard. I mean, it's, this, is your, this is your worship pose, all right? I want to ask you to take one step, all right? Just one step. Today, just, just carry some wood, all right? Just carry wood today, all right? I'm not asking you all the way here. That's a big leap. I get it. Pockets to sky. That's big. But today, we're going to sing one more song at the end of this. And just get them up there. All right? Because that's the idea. All right? As we, as we see this word show up time and time again in the Old Testament, it's lifting holy hands to the Lord and worshiping him in that way. So we encourage you to take that step. Listen, we want to get it right when it comes to our worship. And that's what Paul's trying to do with this church in Corinth as they have missed the mark. Matter of fact, whenever you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17 there, this is where he kind of sets the scene of what's happening. Whenever he says this, in the following directives, I have no praise for you. That's a great line. Hmm. For your meetings do more harm than good. Wow, that's just Boom, that's a punch, all right? I mean, we do evals every Monday morning. We go, come in, we talk about our services, what went good, what went bad, what we need to do better. It would be a really bad uh, eval. We'll come in and say, I think that service probably sent some people to hell. That did bad. We did, we, that was bad. You know, we, uh, no, no, we want it to build up. We want it to lift up. We want, we want these services to, to help people connect with God. And, and yet what Paul's saying here is you're, you, you really ought to just stop, <laughs> okay? Stop because you're, you're harming the kingdom by what you're doing. Now, again, he begins to talk about their spiritual gifts that they were having issues with, specifically the speaking of tongues, the speaking in other languages specifically is what he's talking about because what had seemed to have happened at this point is speaking in tongues had become kind of a status symbol. If I speak in tongues, then I'm holy. And if I speak in tongues more loud than you, I'm holier than you. And so everybody, whether gifted or not, was speaking in tongues. And it was creating chaos in the service. That wasn't the only issue that they were dealing with. But, and he'll get into more. But at this point, what we see is their service, instead of being focused on God, had become a look at me kind of a service. Look at my gifts. Look at what I have. Look who I am. Paul says, it can't be that way. It's time for a reset. So we've got to get it right. We've got to get it right. Why do we got to get it right? I think, number one, we've got to get it right because God commanded us to worship. It's commanded of us to, to worship. And so if he's commanded us to do it, then we need to get it right. 
We need to look at his word and see what he's called us to do, and we need to follow his lead. I, I, I love uh, David. You go to King David, and he was a worshiper. I mean, he was a man after God's own heart. There's so many things in the Psalms and different places where he recorded some of his, his praise times. And uh, in, in uh, First Chronicles, here he's giving instructions to God's people to how to worship before the Ark of the Covenant, before God. And he says this to them in, in 1 Chronicles 16, 23, Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Lift up your voices and day after day. Every, not, not just on Sunday. <laughs> misconception. Every day ought to be a day that we lift up our voices and worship and sing to God, David says. Peter, over in 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, to his readers, he gives them a little bit of insight whenever he says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, and here it is, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Why are you saved? Why has he called you? Why are you one of his? That you can declare the praises of him who called you. You can worship him. You can make much of him. You can point the rest of the world towards him through your life, through your worship. It's a whole reason why God saves us and brings us into relationship with him. Paul takes it even deeper with the church, again, over in 1 Corinthians, if we back up to chapter 10, verse 31, there he, he tells them, that, hey, listen, worship is a lot more than just singing. It's every part of your life is, is an opportunity for worship there in, in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, where he says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Do it all for his worship. So no matter how mundane your task is, no matter mon how mundane your, your activities are, do it for him. Do it for God. Do it for his glory. I'm mowing the lawn for Jesus, you know. Figure it out. How does that glorify him? Maybe so the neighbors don't complain because they know you're a Christian, but you have a terrible lawn. All right, well, no, I'm going to have a good lawn because I'm a... I, Love Jesus. All right, figure it out, okay? But God's, uh, <laughs> Paul says, hey, everything, everything can be an opportunity to worship and to give God praise. We've got to get it right because God has commanded us to worship. He's created us to worship. And therefore, he expects us and on top of that, he deserves it. So we want to get it right. We, we need to get it right because others around us need it. We need, it. we need to get it right. We need to get our worship right because others around us need it. Again, Paul addressing the church there in Corinth, um, one of the reasons is because they just lost their focus. And everything had become so inner focused on themselves, on me, me, me. Instead of a worship that built each other up. It was tearing each other down. Again, going back to chapter 11, verse 17 and 18, he, uh, that verse 17 is where he says, hey, your meetings, they've, they've done more harm than good. But then he goes on in verse 18, he says this, in the first place, and here, here's why they're doing more harm, in the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. Now, Paul helped plant this church. Paul spent over a year at this church. 
He knows many of the people at this church who are part of the body of Christ at this place. And it's almost like, yeah, I know some of the people that are in that church, and yeah, I kind of believe there's probably some division. I know some of the attitudes that are there. But there's a disunity in the church. And listen, when there is disunity in the church, there's not a whole lot of good that can come out of that. Now, the larger the church, the easier it is for that to kind of be covered up when there's disunity. But you walk into a small church, and there's disunity, and you've got, you know, one little group over here, and another little group over here, and they're all looking at each other like that. And you walk in as a guest. <laughs> That's fun, you know. Okay, all right, this is going to be a great time. All right. It does more harm. And he says there's division in the body, and that, that should not, cannot be. We've got to get this right. We skip from chapter 11 to 14. He covers a lot of ground in between there. But when we come back to 14, now he, he comes back into this whole idea of, of worship and in, the, in our uh, meetings together. And in verse 23 there in, in chapter 14, this is where he says this. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues, everybody's speaking in different languages, and inquirers or unbelievers, guests are coming in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? I like that. Well, they not say, you all are crazy. <laughs> Bless your hearts. You guys are whacked out. All right? I, don't, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, it's just, it just everybody's doing their thing. It's chaos, and everybody's trying to outdo one another. And, and, it's just, and that's what he's saying. This is doing more harm than good. You guys got to stop this because when a guest comes in, an unbeliever comes in, they go, you guys are crazy because what you are presenting is inauthentic. What you are proclaiming what you are saying, the truth that you are saying you follow, this Jesus you say you follow, doesn't match up with what you are doing. He says, that's, that's, that's crazy. And they won't want to be a part of that. But he goes on in the text, look at verse 24 and 25. But if all prophesy, now prophecy, prophesy here, uh, many people think tell the future, that's not always the case. Uh, here it's speaking truth. Okay, he even gives a lot more information a little bit further down. We're not going to get into all this for this specific church and how they had to, needed to do this and everything. But if, if everybody was prophesying, if everybody was just, if everybody, if all people were just telling the truth, speaking truth, speaking God's word, and an unbeliever or an outsider enters in, a guest comes in, he is convicted by all. He is called by account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so, falling on his face, he will worship God and, and declare that God is really among you. Listen, when, when believers do, I love this, when believers do what believers are supposed to do, all right, they're living a truthful, authentic life, the end result is unbelievers worship. Unbelievers want to be a part of what we have. When we're authentic in our worship, following the truth. Go on to verse 26. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together? Each of you has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue of interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Hear that? Everything must be done so the church may be built up. That's the goal, that as we gather and as we worship and as we learn together, that the end result is we all are lifted a little higher in our faith. We all draw a little closer to our Savior, our Lord. And the church together is built up and ready to go out and be on mission and make a difference. 
We've got to get it right. Because others around us are watching and they need it. Fellow believers are watching and they need it. But unbelievers, where Paul takes it here, unbelievers are watching and they need it too. And so we've got to get it right. But lastly is this, we, we've got to get it right because you need it. You need it. We, we all need worship. Uh, I believe that's why one of the reasons why God put it on our heart to, to worship Him is because we need to draw near to Him. I, again, going back to David, I, I love going to David and seeing the things that he did and said about worship and, the, and some of his psalms that he wrote and, and sang. And, and we go over to Psalm chapter 55 where, where he's crying out to God. We get a little glimpse into this moment of personal worship of David. And there in, uh, in Psalm 55, starting at verse 5, he says, Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me, and I say, Oh, that I have had wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. Have you ever, ever just sat and watched a bird and just go, man, how awesome would that be? <laughs> just to fly away. Fly north in the summer and south in the winter. David's going, man, I just want to fly away. Verse 7, yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I'm connecting with David now. Give me a cabin in the woods. Yes. He's, he's struggling, and he's like, I just want to get away from this. He goes on, verse 8, I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. Okay, it's like last night in Owasso. I mean, that's his life. He's like, man, I just, I just want to get away from this tempest, the storm that I'm in. We don't know his circumstances. We don't know if enemies are coming in on him, if, if friends have turned their back on him. We, we don't know what he's dealing with. But whatever it is, it is crushing him, and he's crying out to God. Look at verse 16, but I call to God, he says, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon I utter my complaint and, and moan, and he hears my voice. All day long I'm crying out to him. All day long I'm, I'm striving to worship him, and my God hears me. Do you need to hear that today? That God's listening in your time of anxiety, in your time of struggle, whatever it is that you're facing, the circumstances you're facing, that God is listening Verse 22, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Do you know what David is doing in this text, I believe? David is self-medicating with worship. He is self-medicating with worship. In his time of anxiety, his time of fear, his time of hurt, he's turning to worship and he's turning his eyes to, to God, the creator, the sustainer of life, the provider of all things. What do you turn to to self-medicate? Binge watch some Netflix, go shopping, turn to porn, drink a little too much, eat a little too much. I mean, let's go down the list of the things that we turn to to self-medicate ourselves to, to get through things. David turns to worship. We need to turn to worship. We need it because it recalibrates our minds and our hearts to the God who can see us through whatever this life brings. And listen, if we don't spend time with God in our personal worship during the week, I believe we miss out on what he's wanting to do in our, in our hearts and minds when we come together for cor corporate worship when we're together here. Man, when we spend time with him during the week, when we come in this time, it's like icing on the cake. It's like, yes, I've been worshiping all week, but now I'm with my, my brothers and sisters, and let's, let's get clamorously foolish, all right? Let's just let it go because we want to worship and praise our Savior.
We need that. We need that. Why do we need it? I, I think there's, another, there's a reason we need it, because worship is powerful. Worship is powerful. I think that's why David turns that, because he knows that it's going gonna, it's gonna to help him, lead him, and strengthen him to get through whatever he is facing. Worship is powerful. If, if when we... If we're believers in Jesus and we don't worship, we've got amnesia or something. We've forgotten what he has done for us and ultimately what he's done for us through the cross and Jesus. And that's one reason why here at First Church, every week we take time to, to take communion, to celebrate the, the supper, the meal, to remember the sacrifice that, that sacrifice that was made for us. And I believe God set it up that way because he knows how forgetful we are. He knows how easy it is for us to get off of focus. And every week we need to come back and be recalibrated. Remember, Jesus, yeah, I need Jesus. And Jesus died for me. And I worship. Worship is powerful. We keep coming back and keep recentering. I read this this week, and I'm just going to read it to you. It says this. When we worship, the invisible God is at work doing invisible and powerful things. We get realigned, refreshed, and refueled. We find unspeakable joy and indescribable peace. We discover the breakthrough strength of God, which enables us to walk in the truth, live in his presence, and see him fight our battles for us. Worship is powerful we'll just turn to him. Listen to me, church. If you ever came into this place or clicked online and you didn't really want to be here, I mean, you had other things to do or you just had a horrible week. It's like, I really don't want to go to this place. Been fighting with your spouse. Kids are on your last nerve. Don't feel good. Health is struggling. And you just, it's like, man, I don't want to be there. But you come. Whatever happens, something leads you and you hear and you sit in your seat and then the worship starts. <clears throat> people begin to stand, people begin to sing. And if you've been here long, this is why I believe it's so important to be a part of the family of God and to know people, to know people and to know stories. That as people begin to sing, you begin to look around the, look around the room. And you begin to see stories. You see the lady over here that she's battling cancer and she's standing and she's worshiping. And you look over here and a friend of yours is three seats down and he just lost his job this week. And he's standing and he's worshiping. And then there's a little couple. You know that they're struggling in their marriage. It's been hard. But they're sitting together. First time they've been sitting together all week, but they're sitting together and they're worshiping. And then there's a little senior adult in the back. She's been coming for years with her husband, but just recently he went on to be with the Lord. And she's standing and she's worshiping. And you know, as you sit around, you, you look around the room, you begin to see these stories, you begin to see these people worshiping. You know what begins to happen? begin to worship it's like if they can sing to our God I can sing to my God if they can make it through their circumstances I can make it through my circumstances and I'm going to lift, lift up my praise and my worship to my Savior and allow his power to come inside of you as he walks with you build your faith back up and so you walk out of this place and you know what you say when you walk out 
I needed that. I needed that. We are created to worship. Let's make sure our worship is right, that our worship is focused on the one true God, the King of Kings. That He receives our worship, that we come to Him with excitement and exuberance as we lift up the name of Jesus. If we're going to love Jesus and love others, the result ought to be authentic worship. We want to worship Him authentically today. One more time, we're going to lift up our voices to Him. Would you stand with me as we sing this one last song together? Father in heaven, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, we thank you for being a God who listens and hears everything that we cry out to you. And God, I know right now in this place, there are some that need to cry out to you, God, because of what's on their hearts and the circumstances they're facing. God, may you hear their cries and may you empower us. May you build us up. And as we leave this place today, may we be a church that leaves this place on mission to make much of you, to worship you not just inside this place during this time, but that we would worship you every day, every moment with every mundane thing we find ourselves doing. God, may it be an opportunity to lift up the name of Jesus. God, we love you. May you be praised in Jesus' name. Amen.